listening to the Taming Hinges podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast. Real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. Welcome to another episode of the Taming Hindrances Podcast. As always, my name's Phil. I'm the host and creator of the podcast. And today's episode, episode number 24, is all about other. In the last two episodes, we spoke about body and mind. And in the episode before that, in episode 21, we talked about self. And I often talk about how in antiquity, in the ancient past, in all of the old school medical systems that we humans have used to survive, all the way up until this point, worked with three different pieces. And specifically, it worked with the balance of or the interaction between those three pieces. And those three pieces are the body, the mind, and other. Other is the term I use to talk about everything else. Everything else that we've, you know, put politics on and all these different kind of philosophy and all these conversations we've had throughout all of the history of humanity, all of the disagreements we've ever had are all based on this idea of what I call other. Some people call it the woo woo. Some people call it whatever name you want to put on it. I don't use the words like, you know, I don't put on religion or spirituality or, you know, science. Those are descriptions of specific pieces of other. Other is really the description of everything unknown, everything beyond our understanding, everything we can't see, the things our, our senses don't necessarily pick up. In fact, all of science is the exploration of creating methods to understand the things we don't understand. That is the truest idea of science. Science evolved through what's known as the scientific method. And the scientific method is an empirical method for deciphering information. Come up with a hypothesis. Perform the experiment. Record the answers or record what happened. Rinse, repeat over and over again a bunch of times. Come up with correlation of data. Rinse, repeat. <laughs> we just keep going. That's a, It's just a process. But what science is typically trying to find is an understanding to the things we don't understand, the things that our senses aren't very good at picking up, specifically all the inventions that have come out in science through the modern era are really just repeats of things we've already, we've already looked at. And we're just, you know, we're fine tuning. We're finding, you know, we're refining essentially. We're, we're finding new avenues to look at things and, and new ways of understanding the data, better ways to do the experiments, to find more extrapolation of information and yeah, every once in a while, there's something brand, brand new that comes along that we've never thought about, or we never really even looked at, but that's much rarer than you think it is. In fact, everything we know about quantum mechanics came from the 1920s, 1930s. Uh, in reality, it was from experiments that happened in the late 1800s that were just extrapolated upon and then get a better understanding and, you know, things like peer review and a broader spectrum of uh, academia, which I've spoken before is an area that I don't necessarily agree with. I don't necessarily agree with the gatekeeping of academia and its methodologies of not sharing reality or real information, but that's 
neither here nor there when it comes to the conversations of mental health and self-awareness in regards to other. And again, science, spirituality, these are just pieces of other. These are just ways of understanding what we don't understand, what's unknown to us, what's beyond. Things like side reel, that's a word that's used quite often when talking about metaphysics or alchemy or even Ayurvedic methods, uh, astrology, all of these things. We'll use the word like side reel. Side reel is the description of anything that's side reel, which is to be outside of the body. In specific, when we're talking about planets, it's everything opposite Earth. It's everything outside of Earth. The sun is side reel, Venus, Jupiter, Mars, Uranus. They're all side reel bodies. Or, you know, you might have something that's just side reel in general. So you might have something like side reel bodies, which are astrological bodies, or you might have a side reel event. And that's, uh, you know, technically sunsets are side reel events. They're the sun setting, which is where I talked about before in the depression episode, uh, way back at episode 15, how depression comes from the word to depress. And that word was describing an astrological body depressing itself against the horizon. And thus the side real body was depressed. And that's where we get the word depression from the modern, uh, word depression and the use thereof, which actually represents for melancholy, but I digress back to other, but again, even in that statement, I find one of the biggest issues that we run into in today's modern society is that we often forget that for thousands of years, humanity didn't know. And we still don't is the real truth behind it. We don't know a lot of things. We don't know a lot of things about the human body. We're learning new things about that all the time. We don't know a lot of things about the human mind. We don't know a lot of things about dogs or cats, the animals that we keep as pets, or maybe they keep us. Maybe that's a better description. We don't know a lot of things. We don't quite actually understand how energy works. Specifically, we want to talk about electricity. We've, you know, everyone's typically at this point heard about Nikola Tesla and the whole conspiracy theory behind how you know, Tesla had done all these experiments and, you know, come up with all these bodies of research and published all these papers and written all these notes and, you know, articles and given all these interviews. And then all of a sudden his, his stuff is just wiped off the table. It's collected by the government and it's never to be heard of again, even though he invented all these amazing things. Well, that is part of what has become more prevalent in today's society as far as being able to see it, but it's the reality of gatekeeping. And when we talk about other, we have to have the conversation about how we need to come to an understanding both individually and as a societal body that we don't know. We simply just do not know. In fact, that's probably the number one start of mental health and self-awareness is the understanding that you, you don't know. You don't know everything there is to know about yourself. You haven't figured it out yet. And it's often that I find when we get to some of the more advanced pieces of things, such as this conversation, the conversation of other, or the last two conversations about body and mind. Body is more of an intermediate mind starting into the advanced nature of what I consider the study of self-awareness and mental health and Specifically, when you talk about any philosophical body of work that's ever been published or even those individuals who never published and just sat down and thought it to themselves, those are the intermediate pieces 
of self-awareness and mental health. So now that we step into the other, the third piece to make up the, the whole system of health, we're, well, we're in a position that we usually find ourselves. And that position is once we get to the most advanced stages, we go all the way back to the beginning and we realize, oh, this is really what, you know, this, this was the beginning after all. This, when you get to the end, it's the beginning again. That's what we talked about last episode when I talked about Kabbalistic uh, use of one, two, three, four, and the Yad, He, Val, He, the um, ineffable name, the representation of the Hebrew alphabet and the numbers there corresponded, how we have one, which is other, which is what we're talking about today, two, which is mind, and then three, which is body, and then we have another two again which is mind and that translates back to become the next one in the sequence and just keeps going and going and going. Well, that is essentially what happens when we go through the process of learning anything. There's a, a bell curve. I can't particularly remember the name of the individual who came up with it. And I apologize for this, but it's very easy to learn up, uh, look up. It's essentially, um, the difference between the bell curve of master to a beginner to expert. If you Google that, it'll probably come up. But essentially what that is, is a beginner thinks they know everything. There's every, they know everything there is to know. And then the intermediate, as you gain more experience, you figure out you don't know anything. And you, you often the intermediary, the closer you get to the intermediate point of your studies, you get closer to understanding or thinking that you don't know anything, even though you know quite a bit more than the beginner does. And then that bell curve comes back and we get to the master or the expert who come to the conclusion that they do know something, but the, the often, another thing you can look up to is the beginner's mind. Often you find that bell curve comes back and because the bell curve comes back to the expert, you find that the expert and the beginner both think they know the same. Differentiation though is the expert has all of the experience all of the wisdom and knowledge that they correlated to that to then say, no, I don't know anything. And we find that quite often through just about any version of the martial arts. You know, masters are often touted as being like, man, I don't really know anything. What are you talking about? Masters become beginner. We call it beginner's mind. It's actually a, a piece of Zen in Zen philosophy or in the teachings of Zen. You, you often come up with this idea of beginner's mind and beginner's mind is a good place to start. And it's also a good place to finish. And that's where we're at when we talk about other, because we realize we don't know anything. That's, that's the true reality of it. When you, when you start self-awareness and meditation, well, self-awareness and mental health, learning about that or learning about yourself, you have to come to the conclusion. And I should add meditation. I was going to say meditation. You should add that in too. But when you get to this point of, I want to know more about myself, you have to start with, I don't know anything. Because unless you don't start with any preconceived notions, you won't have to fix anything to, as you go along. That's often why psych psychological intervention, uh, and by that I'm, and it's just kind of a poor way of saying like counseling and psychiatry and psychology and these outside influences to help us with our mental landscape. It's often why they're important in the event of a diagnosis such as major depressive disorder, remember, I don't, I don't get into doctor stuff. I'm not a doctor. I don't diagnose or prescribe, but 
when we're talking about actual diagnosed disorders and or just the feeling of melancholy and, you know, what most people consider quote unquote depression, when we have these outside intervention avenues, such as psychology or counseling and those things, they're there to undo all the preconceived notions. That's one of the things or methodologies they go about doing is getting rid of what the psyche or the, the self, the I thinks about itself so that it can relearn and learn the real pieces of itself. Well, that is kind of the methodology that Zen takes that, um, even Chan, Chan specifically, actually, if I've never really delved deeply into the differentiation, well, I've talked about the differentiations of Zen and Chan Buddhism on this podcast, but I've never really delved into Chan and Chan Buddhism, um, based on the greater Canon, uh, the Mahayana, is a really good example of a methodology in which one must master themselves by starting off with the idea that they know absolutely nothing, just zero. And some might argue me on that, but let me explain why I take that viewpoint because I've done Chan uh, martial arts and meditations and studied that philosophy set, I am more Zen minded just because I tend to be more Japanese minded. Whereas Chan is more of a, a Chinese basis of mind as far as ideology and these types of things come together. It, it comes from the historical development. Zen was developed in Japan and, and Chan was developed in China. So it takes on the cultural roles thereof. But the Chan martial arts that I've studied, specifically Chan style Tai Chi or the, the, the methodology of what they call it the Chan fam family. You have the Yan, uh, Yan Sun and um, Chan family of Tai Chi, but really Chan family is a reference to the actual teachings of Chan Buddhism. Um, yes, there was a Chan family. Yes, they taught Tai Chi. No, it's not a direct correlation to the family the family was the inheritor of, but it comes from the interaction of Chan Buddhism with the martial arts temples and the development of what would be considered the grand ultimate, which is what Tai Chi quote unquote, very poorly and loosely translates to Chan is the full method of Tai Chi. It has all the pieces. It, it checks all the boxes when it comes to a full martial arts system. It is in and of itself in its own little encapsulation, its own system. And it's taught fully inside of that system. Whereas, um, Yan and, or Yang and, and Sun style, uh, those are family styles and they only teach a certain piece. Typically it's for health and wellness and they leave out all the combat, which is fine. That's, I'm not arguing that, but Chan specifically teaches all of it, top to bottom. They even teach the medical anatomy and physiology of Chinese traditional medicine when you really get into it, when you're really, truly studying it. So what does Chan say? Well, in the methodology of Chan, we have to take the Chinese mind. So the Chinese mind, unlike the Japanese mind, remember they're kind of op counter opposite of each other, says, Everything was born perfect. Everything started perfect and slowly degrades into chaos. Well, we have to go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast. When I told you, you have to remove the connotation. We often see chaos as a connotation of negative, 
it, we, we, everybody says, oh, it's chaotic, it's chaos, it's, and it's always this negative connotation. Well, that's a poor representation of chaos because chaos is, has no connotation. It is, it is just chaos. It is nothing. It's primordial. It comes before everything else. Specifically, uh, chaos is what begets order or creation, really. So if we look at the the one, two, three, four, remember the Yod, He, Val, He, we talked about last episode, creation would be Yod, would be the, you know, other creation, spirituality, science, whatever you, energy, electricity, whatever you want to get in, whatever you want to call it, get into it, any piece of the system you want to call it, that's creation. Something is created. Creation begets order. After something is created, it's it's ordered, and thus it is. That's the mind, so Yod, he, mind. So we have creation, one, order, two, three. What happens if you order something? You destroy it. After something's fully ordered, it can be destroyed. So then we have destruction, and destruction begets chaos. Because once something's destroyed, it's changed, and that's what chaos is. It's the translation of change. Thus, when we talk about other, we have to talk about chaos. And Chan has a really good understanding of how chaos really works and what it really is. Chaos in the Chinese mind is very different than what we find in the Western world. In fact, chaos is accepted. It's understood. It's necessary. We need chaos in our lives. We need change. Chaos begets creation. Thus, it is almost in and of its own self order of destruction. Remember, Yad, He, Thou, He. One, two, three, four. The four becomes the next one in the new sequence. So four is a translation, and chaos is that four. It's what allows us to take anything from one piece to another piece. And those two pieces are take things from the material world, the body, the physical, what we live in, what we touch, see, smell, and our senses interact with, and then take that to the other, the unknown, the things we don't understand. We do that through chaos. It's the translation. Just like the mind, the mind translates all the other things down. We learn things. We understand things. We come to new conclusions that the body can then interact with. We take the other the yod and we put it through the mind which is where everything gets translated and then we can we can use it that's the idea of science that's creation of all of these things and then we order it that's science science orders it all okay what's periodic table scientific method we, we're going to order everything and then we can destroy it we can blow it up we can fiddle with it we can throw it against the wall that's so destruction is almost the methodology of interaction of the body. The body destroys things. It's what we do as animals because really we're animals and we're just that way. That's we destroy things. We eat things. We, we break things down. Mushrooms are the great destroyer, the great recycler. That's what they do. But we don't see them as a negative. I mean, some people think they're gross. But when it comes to the actual fauna of, of a forest, mushrooms are absolutely necessary for that to continue to grow and to continue to flourish. They are the great recycler. They break everything down. Thus, they are the three. They are the physical, the destroyer. They, they destroy things so that they can be reused. And that's where chaos comes in. So that's how the, the Chan mind understands it. They understand it as, ah, everything was created, born. They use that word interchangeably. 
Perfect. It's all perfect. And then it's ordered and then slowly gets destroyed and becomes chaos again. It all recycles back to chaos. Chaos is not, it's not an end point. It's not a negative connotation. It's just change and everything changes constantly. That's the reality of the understanding of, of Chan is in their reality, their, their representation of universal understanding Everything has to change constantly. It can never stop changing. If it stops changing, the world ends, the universe ends, everything ends. Change is the way it all occurs. Whereas when we talk about Zen and you can incorporate most, I'll save that for a minute here. Um, I was thinking about um, if you want to incorporate, you know, something like the Taoism, um, but I don't want to, I don't want to make too direct of a correlation there. So just put that on the back burner for a second. So keep in, keep Taoism in mind here when we talk about the correlation of Chan to Zen. So Chan, we need, we need chaos. It's, it's, if, if change ever stops, the world can't exist. Zen Everything is change. Everything is chaos. It all starts from chaos, but we can, we can order chaos. We can kind of manipulate chaos to the way we want it to happen. So Zen is like having the control over chaos. Chan is an understanding of just letting chaos be passive. It's just, yeah, just be passive. I'm passive about it. I'm not going to, I'm just going to be passive about it. It's a slow process. So you, you can see that in the methodology of the two cultural differences here in China, there's, the Chinese mind will plan a thousand years. That's uh, uh, an old saying. When, it t- when we talk about the warfare in China, a, a Chinese general will, pl- will plan a thousand years. A Chinese empire will plan a thousand years. They'll play the long game because they just think change is passive. I just, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily manipulate it. I just give it, it's like water. I just give it the path of flow and it eventually will get there. It j- I can't force it. I can't do it. It's all going to end up there somehow. If I just give it the right path to go, it will. So that's how the Chan deal with it. That is what's represented in Chan style Tai Chi in, in what I consider the ultimate of Tai Chi's. It's hard to even say that ultimate or best Tai Chi's Tai Chi, but the full system of Chan, it is the fullest of the Tai Chi systems. It is probably the only full system I've ever studied completely that I've ever found it. It's one complete whole system, top to bottom, mind, body, other, everything. It allows change to happen. It doesn't necessarily direct chaos. Like as a a understanding, it just allows chaos to occur and will give it an outlet. That's kind of the best way to explain it is I know chaos is going to occur and I'm going to give it an outlet. I know you're about to try to punch me in the face. I'm going to allow that to happen. I'm just not going to allow my face to be there, but it doesn't mean I'm going to keep you from throwing the punch. I just understand you're going to what happens after that is a whole new is a whole new flow of chaos. Then maybe I just, move my face out of the way and put my elbow where your face is going to be. Or maybe I walk away or there's, 
it's an infinite amount of possibility that chaos can occur to, but I know you've made a choice and then you made a decision. You decided to throw a punch. That's not my problem. That's not my, you have tried to order chaos and now you've started a new flow of chaos and I just, I just don't deal with it or I deal with it or it's kind of like that. But when we talk about Zen and we get into how Zen goes about it. And I, I do say that I am Japanese minded because I, I do agree a little bit more with the Zen protocol for it, which is chaos is a force to be used, understood, worked with. In fact, everything comes from chaos. So if I'm going to do anything, I must then root myself of being a individual of chaos and thus things can change and I can make change happen and I can steer that change how I would like to. I can never force it to do anything I don't want it to, it doesn't want to do, but I can give it direction and I'm more along the lines of that. I, I understand more along the lines of, and I would almost say that Zen is by definition a purer understanding of chaos. It's just the way they go about it is that yes, chaos can be manipulated. It can be used. It is changed by nature. It's the understanding. So they take it and they add the first piece back in. Whereas Chan just create, it's just as soon as you get to chaos, we're in a whole new thing. So it's just this constant cycle of new, new, new. Remember one, two, three, four. They're constantly in a, we got to four move. We're just, it's, Four becomes one, four becomes one, four becomes one. Whereas Zen is the first, it's the first two. Remember two becomes the next four. I know I make it a little complicated with these Kabbalistic numbering system things, but that original translation, remember mind is translation. That Zen idea is I'm constantly in translation. I get to decide the translation. I get to steer the translation. I get to pick where this translation's going. So thus they pick where chaos will become the new one. They're more of a switch over from, okay, a four is coming, change is coming. This is the change that's going to occur. And then they, they, they allow the process to happen after that. So they don't really necessarily control what happens after that. They just give it the direction. And that's, you find that in a lot of the throwing arts, specifically in judo. That's the whole idea is to allow the body to make a movement, allow your enemy or opponent to make a movement, and then control where that energy goes. So that's kind of the major difference. Now, when we talk about Taoism, they have kind of a complicated understanding that chaos is kind of in between it's kind of a they understand that chaos is going to occur and it's necessary so they, they're chan minded in that methodology but they also incorporate the idea that it can be mastered the differentiation between their understanding of of mastering or using chaos from the zen is that it takes a, a massive amount of energy and, and time and effort because they still work on the principal idea of that the Chandu 
chaos is going to occur. So if I want to make chaos take a direction or use chaos, use change to beget something, beget new creation, if I'm going to create something from chaos, I need to put in a massive amount of effort or have a crutch. And by crutch, I mean they add a connotation, remember yin-yang here, Chaos is primordial. It comes before it's Wu Chi. As I've discussed in the past, Wu Chi comes before them everything. They're, they must have a balance. So if they want a yin, or I'm sorry, if they want a, if they want a yang perspective, they must have a, a yang balance. If they want a yang perspective, they must have a yin balance. And this is where we get to Taoist immortals and how they each had their own vice. It's just another way of putting the whole vice thing. Um, you know, we had the Taoist mortal who was a, a drunkard, essentially, who couldn't live unless he had his Shaoxing wine um, or Shaoju wine. I can't remember which one it is. I apologize. But had to have a certain amount of wine in the gourd and drink it constantly and be drunk all the time. That was the balance to their immortality. So that's where the Taoists make the spin and the change. And... What's the, what's the takeaway there? Chaos is the other. It's the unknown. It's the, it's the thing we don't understand. If we talk about spirituality and we talk about religions, remember, I hate. Is that too strong of a word? No, I hate organized religions because they foul everything up and make things terrible. I like faith. I, I enjoy people who have just a blatant faith that things they believe in and they understand they don't, you know, they don't necessarily throw it at other people, nor do they need to go to some place of worship to make it real for them. Not saying that's bad, but a lot of people are just, you know, going along for the ride, which is not the right answer. That's blind dogma, and you should stay away from that. So when it comes to spirituality, the representation of gods are what comes after chaos. The truest idea of other that I can give you is that it it's before everything. It, other exists outside of gods, outside of emperors, outside of you, your cat, the tree outside. Other is other. Other is all of the things we don't know. We don't understand. It's unknown, it's beyond, it's outside of our understanding. As soon as a system is applied to other and we get an understanding, be it right or wrong, it stops existing as other and starts existing a part of the systems. And that's how we corrupt things. That is the truest idea of corruption you can, you can give when it talks about, when we're talking about mind, body, and other. Once something begets into the systems of, or once something becomes a part of the systems of mind or body, specifically mind, when we charge the, remember, it's the translation point. As soon as we start translating it down from the other to use it in the, 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 the mind or the body, to wherever else we want to use it, we've corrupted it. We've given it a connotation. We've given it an understanding. We've given it a definition. We give it all of these things. And remember, always eliminate the connotation when I'm talking about something. Corruption it's just a, a, a methodology of change to get a specific avenue. That's really what corruption is. Those who are corrupt have a agenda, a specific method or way in which they want things to go. Someone can be corrupt and want 
great things. <laughs> they could want the correct avenue of change, but they're corrupt because of how the methodology and the, 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 the system in which they're doing it. So again, I know words have connotations nowadays, but they didn't always have those connotations. If you look at true definitions, they're, it's a little bit different. Um, so when we take things out of the other into the mind and then we get them into the physical or material world, we destroy them. And thus we're left with something else. And this is when we talk about energy and we talk about in, in modern day physics, we have an understanding that you can never destroy energy. You can just redirect it or change it. This is really the understanding of that. And to get a good understanding of other, we kind of have to look at how we think about the world and how we think about energy and specifically how we think about electricity. Going back to when I was talking about Nikola Tesla, all of this stuff just disappeared and we eliminated all of it and, Okay, now what? Well, that's the problem with the gatekeeping system is most likely we've all been lied to. We don't have a true representation of our history. We don't have a true representation of a calendar. We just kind of use one that was given to us. There's multiple other versions of a calendar out there. In fact, there's multiple versions of all other sorts of things everywhere. Buckminster Fuller created probably one of the best representations of a map when it comes to a world map and it's based on a, a tetragram uh, whereas we use the mercurial map and the mercurial map is a poor representation the mercurial globe when we look at you know globes that you saw in school and stuff they wildly misrepresent the size of the continents and the oceans because they needed to fit it on a sphere so they blew things up and then you needed to see things so they couldn't make things as tiny as they probably really were in reference. So globes that you saw in school and, and, and maps that you see in use today, specifically if they're part of the mercurial, they're not really good representations. In fact, if you look at the Buckminster Fuller um, map, I forget the name he gave that, but you can just look up the uh, Buckminster Fuller world map or globe map. And because he put it in a, a, a tetragram, so it's all a bunch of triangles. If you look at the USA, it fits like three times into China and the, that whole area. Like the it gets the sizes much better, and it gives you a better reference point. This is true of all history. All history is at this point mostly non-objective, so it's it's not really. It's just telling after telling after telling, and it's all subjectively told. I mean, we see that with the media nowadays, and we see that with just about everything. Everything has this subjective idea to it, and subjective is personal opinion. And there's nothing wrong with personal opinions. It's just that they're not objective usually. It means they have some sort of agenda, or they have some sort of spin, or they have just that person's understanding. And that's that whole thing we did when we were kids, and we you know did the whole pass it down the line. And one person starts off with a word and they pass it on to the next person, next person, next person. And all of a sudden it turns into a full sentence that has nothing to do with the word that it all started with. That's the idea of the, of the change of subjectivity compared to objectivity, which is what science tries to combat, which is also what spirituality is based on canonical writing tried to 
counteract. The problem was it started subject subjectivity. It started as subjectivity. I'm going to pick on Abrahamic faiths because a lot of people know them specifically the Bible. When you look at the new Testament and you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, the, the, the four books there that tell the story of, of Jesus, those are subjective views of what happened. That's all. And they're all written to be stories of anecdotal ideas. Specifically, they're written to be parables. And the idea of Jesus itself is a parable. In fact, if we look at the story of Jesus, it's very similar to many other stories we find in many other religions or many other understandings of human history. The, the, the story of Thoth or Hermes Trismegistus, the God Thoth from uh, Egyptian telling, or just Hermes all share massive correspondence, specifically Hermes Trismegistus, who is supposed to be a representation of Thoth or Hermes and combination thereof. That story is goes hand in hand with the story of Jesus. The differentiation of the Abrahamic religions with who the prophet was doesn't change the origination of the what it entails. And that's the subjectivity compared to the objectivity. Now, the Hebrew side of things, when we talk about the um, Talmud and the other canonical writings of Judaism, they don't include the New Testament, or they do and they don't. So they under, there is a New Testament, it's a thing, but they tell the story of the Old Testament. And then leave the Old Testament to be like, well, then they created this Old Testament thing, well, New Testament, and that became its own religion, essentially, its own new understanding. And that's probably the closest objectivity we get out of all of all of it. Although, even if we look at the Quran, we get, there's always a mix. There's objectivity versus and subjectivity. Even the Quran tells a subjective story. And that's the biggest differentiation between the Abrahamic religions is that they're all subjective tellings of what they all believe happened. They all believe specifically that there is a single God whose name we don't know. And then that God provided guidance to humanity and should be exalted above all else. That humanity was created in the image of that God. That's their objectivity. They all agree upon that part. Their subjectivity is the way in which that God went about it and the profit that God provided or intervention there of that God provided really should say. Well, we see that in other religions as well. Um, Jainism, which I've talked about before is probably the best study of karma and Dharma and its interactions is based on subjectivity to understand objectivity. So the subjective nature is that 
we have the the Vidus and they tell subjective stories in order to get us to understand the objectivity of Dharma and Karma and all of the other different interactions that go along with it. Or specifically karma at the level of the karmic nature, which in and of itself is its own subjective understanding. So when we talk about other, we constantly get into this game of subjectivity, objectivity, subjectivity, objectivity. And I'm not here to say any one of them is wrong. In fact, I often find that it's a good place to start to see how you feel about these, these subjective understandings of objectivity. And one of those that we have to come back to, again, just weaving back to Nikola Tesla, is when we start to understand how energy really works what energy really is. None of modern society's religions, unless we're talking about understandings of a way of a people, again, Hinduism is not a religion, it's a way of the Hindu people. All of modern, I'll I'll correct myself, all of modern organized religion Remember, I have a problem with organized religion. All of modern organized religion never go far enough to understand or give an understanding of modern material world. They leave it up to another system. That's why Christianity can deal with science nowadays, because eventually the Christian church got so inundated with, the Catholic church specifically, got so inundated with this thing known as science, they didn't know what to do anymore. So they just went, we can coexist God gave us science. No, science is just a methodology. We came up with that shit. Humans came up with methodology, knowing that we're all, science came about by thinking, hey, we're all flawed and stupid. Okay, like we can have tricks of the mind, you know, so we need to come up with a method that we don't make mistakes as much. And then when we don't make mistakes, we can get empirical evidence and that evidence. So the Catholic church took that as a slight, like, oh no, they're trying to prove God is wrong. Where science was really just coming up with a method of understanding and then came up with the scientific method, which is what science is. We always like to say, Ooh, follow the science. No, it's the scientific method. Please follow a scientific method, which gives you proper objectivity of outcome and leaves out subjectivity. That's the whole point of it. Please start getting that right. I'm not saying you're getting it wrong, but as a whole, we need to understand that science is not a religion. Science is a method. It's not a, it's not a, like a thing. It's a method. It's a, it's a system. So is spirituality. It's a system. Pick one, figure it out for yourself. It's whatever one you want to pick and then go with. And if you don't agree with that one, try another one. And if you don't agree with any of them, don't use them. So they don't provide an understanding of energy. And then we have someone like Nikola Tesla who provides a really good understanding of, of energy, who he got from people like Boscovich, Heaviside, Faraday, you know, and yes, all of these people existed around the same time period, but a lot of them studied Boscovich. Boscovich wrote Theory of Natural Philosophy, which is one of the earliest full understandings of everything and how it all correlates and works. In fact, it kind of is one of what I would consider the culmination points 
of the understanding of etheric physics in the 1800s. Boscovich put it together. He understood everything is energy. He didn't quite say light at this point where others have added that piece into today's modern uh, understanding, but everything is electric or energetic by nature. And there are forces that translate to our material and thus give us that representation of energy, specifically that idea of electricity. And they are one of the major guiding forces of that is magnetism. And this is what I get into when I talk about other. We didn't know any of this. We didn't know we don't even know this today. A lot of people have no idea that without magnets, your world would disappear. If we had never figured out magnetism or understood that there is this thing known as magnetism or come up with magnets or been able to create magnets, you don't have transistors, you don't have electricity, you don't have computer screen, you have nothing. You might as well go back to the dark ages. Magnets changed your world more than you will ever know because most people won't go look at it. Most people don't know. They don't want to figure out how. And then most people leave it at face value, which is what I think organized religion does with most things. Is well, what about magnetism changed it all? Magnetism is an influx from something we don't know. We don't understand. We call it the ether. We knew about it for a really long time. We've known about it. I mean, from the very beginning. It's that other. There is this other thing. Alchemy calls it ether. Etheric physics calls it ether. We give it all sorts of different names. Some people call it God. Some people call it Krishna. Some people call it, I don't know, Odin, Thor, Thoth, Sep. I don't know. Whatever name. doesn't matter. We've, humanity has come up with the Atlanteans, the Luminarians. I don't care what you want to call it. Somebody has this understanding of it. We don't. We worship them. Great. But there is this other thing we don't know. We just don't understand it. We don't know it. It's just other. Some people nowadays call it the woo-woo. You know, it's the guiding force behind any Mancy's. Mancy's are um, divination by something. Like Cardamancy is the name for the overall Mancy that Tarot would fall under. Um, Geomancy. There's... um, there's all sorts of Mancy's. Go look up a Mancy list. Magic. There's a great example. All of magic is based on the idea that there's something we don't understand, a force at play. Forces, we can harness them, we can tap into them. And that's the, that's the understanding that Chan has. That's the understanding that Zen has. They do it through different methodologies. Taoism does it through their methodology of there must be a balance of forces. And if I'm going to balance out a force so great that it can predict the future or provide internal life, I must provide a huge amount of my own energy to make that happen. Zen, I can tap into the other if I empty myself, thus I will be filled by the emptiness. That is what's known as staring into the void in, in Zen meditations. If I stare into the void, the void stares back. That's the warning you get when you start Zen uh, deep emptiness meditations. Chan, if I provide a, if I provide effort to method, 
method begets effort. That's that's the circulation of chan. If 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 there is force and I give force change, there is still force. It is simply changed. If I change force, it is changed by nature, and thus I can use it to create new force. It's it's that's the cyclical. Remember, it's all about where they start with the method, and start with the change, and start with the force. But they all come back to the same idea. That's that's the process. There is this thing of other Nikola Tesla. DC electric is real electricity. AC electric is not. AC is uh, its its own thing. Whereas DC is true electricity, and that's massive amounts of voltage, and it will pervade space, and specifically time, which is how you get wireless transmission of electricity to point and point. So Boscovich in the 1800s provides us one of the correlating point pieces to the understanding of other or in this case, etheric physics, understanding that there are forces outside of our understanding, but those that we do understand will give us a better full world view. And that's really where other is in the grand scheme of it all. It's the full world view. And I guarantee you don't have that yet, nor should you. It takes lifetimes to understand our full range of mental health and self-awareness. And the reason for that is other is chaos. Chaos is other. And chaos is the beget of creation. It is change. It's the translation between anything and anything else. It's the second mind. It's the universal mind by definition. Whereas mind in the health system when I talk about the three bodies, you know, we have other, the other body, the mind body, and the physical body, and that's, that makes up our triality of health. Mind is the translation from the other to the physical. It's the translation point. And that's the world we live in when we talk about mental health and self-awareness. In fact, you're living in a translation all day, every day. Well, that translation comes back down to the body. What happens when the body tries to trans- send a translation back up to the other, send to the outside? Well, that's the world of chaos because chaos is the world mind. It is the universe's mentality and it is what begets creation because it is change. Always, constantly. That's chaos. That's really what chaos is. Chaos is your friend in some cases and chaos is your enemy in others. Chaos is is neutral, is positive, is negative. It's, It's constantly everything all the time and nothing ever. You can never have expectation of chaos. You can simply give it your expectations is one of the old sayings in um, Chan meditations, not Zen meditations, Chan meditations. I'll, I'll, I'll say that one again. You can never expect change of chaos or change from chaos. You can only give chaos your expectations of change. This is the governing body or understanding of the secret or, you know, manifestation of your, of your dreams and and your wants. And you can't correlate it. You can give chaos your wants and needs. Typically you'll get what you need, not what you want. If you turn a want into something so, so ingrained in your mentality and your translation, it becomes a need that can be dangerous. So it's often a better understanding to know 
yeah, if you want to use the secret and all that stuff and you want to dive down that whole manifestation route, understand that the Taoists are at play here. There must be a correlating factor. If all you're asking for is yang, you better know that somewhere there's going to be provided yin. And if all you're asking for is yin, you better know that somewhere there will be a corresponding balance of yang. The world, the universe, the everything, the other, it's constantly seeking balance at all points in time. And it does it through asymmetry. So you just never know how it's going to balance itself. But it will. It knows to. It has to, or it can't exist, or not exist. That's where we get into the circularization of the duality, which I've explained before is triality. And this whole has to do with other. And there's a whole great world of other out there that we never really get into. And I think it's it's a good time once you get to the point of, okay, I, I have a pretty good control of my body, you know, my vices, if it's, you know, drinking or smoking or working out. I, I got, I'm, I'm starting to get all that stuff in balance. You know, I'm trying to eat well, taking care of my body. All right. Now I'm starting to take care of my mind. And I, you know, I know if, if I eat like shit, I feel like shit or, you know, I know works can be stressful. Uh, Buddha said life is suffering. Choose how you suffer though. So I know if I'm going to have a shitty day tomorrow, I better get a good night's sleep, make myself a cup of coffee in the morning, get a shower, you know, being prepared, those types of things. When we move on from those things, we start to understand the other and we start to understand chaos and how chaos can work for us or how we can work with chaos. That's when it's a good time to like branch out and check out all sorts of new stuff like Boscovich and Nikola Tesla and Heaviside and Faraday and their understanding of energy and electricity and how all that works. Someone like uh, Walter Russell talking about how everything is light. In fact, the material world you live in is the factor of light and what we call light is just a spectrum. It's a, a, a Hertzian frequency setup of the spectrum of light that we see through our visual cortex. When in fact, all of our senses are dealing with light in different versions, just like a water or hydrogen and two oxygen H2O can be both a gas, a solid or uh, a liquid light can be, multiple different things, even other versions of things we don't know, like plasmas and we don't think about very often. There's other versions of these things like, you know, we have solids, liquids, gases, plasmas. There's probably other ones we don't know about and light does all of them. And specifically the light in the world we live in starts at the very beginning of the periodic table in the material world that we interact with is known as hydrogen because hydrogen is the first atom in the list of things that become the material world by octave. In fact, the universe is spewing out hydrogen in trillions upon trillions upon trillions a second. Well, new hydrogen atoms a second. Just on like it's like a trillion trillions, like unfathomable number. And that's an understanding of energy to get into. Again, Walter Russell and how everything is light and then how the hydrogen atom is the first atom on the sequence and that's the material world and that computer you're typing on or the sound you're hearing in your ear right now is just a different translation of light and that's all your senses are doing. All of your human senses are translation pieces of light and that we have this thing known as the nervous system, specifically the vagus nervous system and that vagus nervous system is picking up on a bunch of other things we never think about because it's what it's designed to do. That feeling you get when somebody shady walks into a room or when you're being stalked by a wild animal, 
or when things just don't seem right. Things seem a little off. That's your vagus nervous system and, and, and tuning to what's going on around you. Animals are very attuned with their vagus nervous systems. Humans, not so much. We've kind of turned ours off in modern society because we've created structures to do other things for us. And that's fine. You know, automation is automation for the sake of automation. But when we talk about animals, that's why animals often know that a massive storm's coming or a hurricane or um, an earthquake, those types of things. the animals are paying attention to their vagus nervous system because it's it's the antennae. Your vagus nervous system is huge. If you ever look at the, go to like the Mutter Museum or look at um, an autopsy or a cadaver of the vagus nervous system, your nervous system is massive, and a lot of it makes up the vagus nervous system, which is just a, you're just a giant antenna. Flip an antenna upside down. That's from you head to bottom. You're just a huge antenna picking up on these light frequencies be them solid, liquid, gas, plasma, other, whatever version they're in. You're just attuning to them, picking them up. We don't listen to that anymore. Our ancestors did. That was, that was the whole process of the, what we're going to get into in next episode. When we talk about initiations and the initiative schools, I've talked about the mysteries and the mystery schools before, but there is this idea of initiation and it happens throughout all of history in all methods, in all ways. The education system is initiation. Training's an initiation when it comes to martial arts, warfare. There's all these initiations into a, a system of an idea. That's why I talked about all those pieces first so we can get into that. But going back to other and how we have this point where we have to understand, I don't know anything about myself. Or I know a ton about my body and I know a ton about my mind, but I don't know why I keep having panic attacks. I don't know why I'm having anxiety about this. I don't know why I, this, that, or the other thing. When we don't have that understanding, that's when we go to other. Because the other is the unknown. And the unknown can become known. Chaos is the factor there. There must be change to beget that. There must be change to create something. So other is really the study of chaos. It's the study of change. And how we incorporate that into our lives, be it through meditation or positive thinking, study of metaphysics, learning how to read tarot or, or getting a, an astrological, um, uh, well, I'm just blanking on that one, getting an astrology uh, write-up done when we look at all our astrology chart. There we go. Those types of things. In fact, I mean, we talk about in modern health things of antiquity that we consider new age health, like the chakra system. That's become pretty prevalent. You know, especially when people talk about yoga, they talk about the chakra system. What a lot of people don't know is the seven chakras that you think you're dealing with are the very basis of the actual chakra system. And the chakra system is just the culmination points of the translation area between other and physical. They're what's known as the energy mind, the seven major chakras, because really there's multiple systems in the chakra system. There's the seven, there's the 11, the 22, the 36, and there's even talk that there's the 108, although the 108 actually deals with the nani points which the chakras are just the culmination points of the translation between your physical form and your energetic form. And they're like little gateways, but they deal with then sending out 
energy, quote unquote, or taking in, depending on which the flow direction is, because it starts counterclockwise, clockwise, counterclockwise, clockwise, counterclockwise, clockwise, counterclockwise. Um, yeah, four counter, three clock. I don't remember. Don't quote me on any of that. Some rotate clockwise, some rotate counterclockwise, male and female, flip it. I forget which one starts which. That doesn't matter now because we're not really getting into that. But there's this, that, those, so we have the seven major. Then there's a whole other system that has 11. That's the Kabbalistic system. But the Kabbalistic system actually ends up as the 36 when you really get into it because there's the other others and the other other others. So it's 33 plus three gives us 36. The seven are the basics or the basis. The 11 and the 22 are, so this, I'm not going to get into it. There's multiple chakra systems. It's just another thing. It's, you know, there's energy systems we talk about that deal with other Reiki. There's one, they deal with the seven chakras, but Reiki actually jumps into the 11 at some point. If you really get, if you get deep, 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 deep into Reiki. Um, and there's an original version of Reiki, which I never remember the name of, which was actually what I was technically trained in, but I know of, I've, I don't practice it in any way, but uh, that was a differentiation of the, of that system. So the original version of where Reiki comes from under my understanding, it's a filtration system. The original Reiki practitioners or before Reiki was even Reiki, the, the key healers were known, uh, they were known to filtrate quote unquote energy or the chakras, but they didn't call them. It wasn't really the chakras back then. It was, it was a different understanding, but the, the centers, the locations were the same. What they did were essentially the same, but they actually worked with 11 of them. And then again, it gets deeper and eventually be, it, it, the farther you go down that system, you learn it's actually 36 same for if we jump over to traditional Chinese medicine in China, remember Zen and John, they all come from a very similar understanding. That system works with the 108 and actually the 136, which has to do with uh, jings or energies. Um, there's, I think it's 136. Again, don't quote me on the numbers. I know there's 108, but I think it ends up as, oh, maybe it's 144. doesn't matter. But uh, you have these things known as jings, which are the jing is energy. So you have like fa jing, which is explosive energy. Um, I don't remember any of the other ones. I I don't remember the Chinese translations. Oh, I remember the translations. It's not the Chinese names. There's listening, explosive, uh, feathering, floating. There's all sorts of jings. There's all sorts of different energies. We can take that and jump all the way over to the Eastern practice. Well, the... Um, Western culture practices of the European magic systems. Something, someone like uh, Elias Levi, Levi um, the writings of Paracelsus, Herodotus, uh, it goes on and on and on and on. But they have all of these understandings of alternative healing practices that dealt with a translation of other. They were chaos understanders for lack of a better term. They dealt with chaos and understood that chaos was something else. And was this other, and they came up with a system to translate it. 
and then we had this idea of other mind and body. And that's really all this is, is it's a reference of translation. It's a reference of the physical without other, we could never call ourselves physical. If we didn't have, remember everything's triality, two sides of the same coin. If we didn't have physical material bodies that we are stuck in, we wouldn't be able to grasp the idea in this form that there was other, nor can we grasp that we are something different than that. It's a very important piece in the idea of self-awareness when you understand that you are a consciousness translating things in this mental landscape you've created for a physical body you're in control of based on a bunch of stuff you don't know about. So why are you blaming yourself for so much shit? <laughs> why are you so hard on yourself? Why, why do you think you're in control of this when you're not? Why, you know, oftentimes I get told that I somehow leave emotion out of my responses or out of my decisions or, or conversations. And it's not that I don't have emotion. In fact, most Stoics understand that emotion is a very powerful tool of understanding. It's just not the only one. It'd be very irrational to leave all decision to emotion because emotion is just a, another poor representation of other. It's just a, a different it's one understanding of many, just like rationality is one understanding of other logic and reason. There's all of these different things. That's what philosophy has been searching for when we talk about morals and ethics is what is the correct way to translate all these things? And that's the, that's the idea of the mind, but it all comes from other, it all comes from this thing we don't understand. We don't know. And it's, it's a difficult piece to grasp when we talk about mental health specifically that there is another. There are many things we don't know, we don't understand. And for someone who likes or needs control, that can be very tough to deal with. It's the truth, though. There's all of these things you don't know or understand. And yes, can you go seek out understandings and answers? Yeah, but you need to, you need to know that that's all subjective to objective. And it might be right or it might be wrong. We have to kind of, we have to make decisions. Because that's the world of other, and that's the world of chaos. Chaos is whatever it wants to be, whatever it's going to be. Can't control chaos, can only ask it to do things. That ask is a decision. And I've said before, there's a lot of people out there just making choices. People make choices. That's just how it is. There's not a lot of people making decisions. Because if you go all the way back to episodes eight and nine, when I talk about choice and change, choice begets change. You can make choices all day long. If one's one way and one's the other way, you'll never get change. You know, if one's a positive, one's a negative, if we're putting connotational spins on things, you get, you get neutral, you get no change. If two are positive and one's negative, you get one step forward and one step, you get two steps forward, one step back. If two negative, one positive, two steps, uh, one step forward, two steps back. Choice begets change. 
and people are constantly making choices. The differentiation of those who are self-aware and conscious of their efforts and, and methodologies and morals and ethics and all of the other things that go into our mental health states and those who are in control of the mental health are those who make decisions. If you are a smoker and you want to quit smoking, you have to decide to quit smoking. If you are fat and lazy and unhealthy, you have to decide to be different than that. If you are constantly in a state of melancholy, you have to decide not to be that. You have to make decisions. No one's going to tell you this. No one's going to hold your hand through this. No one's going to give you the understanding of this. This is the world of other. Other is the understanding that there are a bunch of shit out there you know nothing about. It's just unknown. But, remember I like to put butts on things sometimes and change the world because this is chaos. Chaos is the factor of decision. Those who manifest things into their lives have decided to do so. They made decisions. Those decisions are the correlations of their choices. So they choose one outcome. Then they choose a, a correlated outcome over and over again because they've decided that's the direction they want to go in. A lot of people are out there just making choices, willy-nilly throwing choices around. Not a lot of people are making decisions to make correlated choices because that's what a decision is. It's correlation of choice begets change, but they decide to do so. Not a lot of people decide to change. They just keep making new choices. So if you want to take full control over your mental health, if you want to take full control over a direction of your self-awareness, you must decide. And that decision may be wrong. And you'll have to upgrade it. You'll have to change it in the future because that's how it works. But in order to make any progress, you must decide. And somewhere along the lines, humanity stopped making decisions and started making choices. And today's modern society is just full of people and political structures and religious structures and all of these other systems just making choices. And unfortunately, the correlation of those choices are poor because they're misinformed or well, people just don't give a shit, to be honest. And humanity is a failed experiment at this point, is my own personal viewpoint. It's not to say you can't decide to be better or be what you want to be. And if that's what you want to be, you can be it if you decide. You have to decide, though. That's the world of other. That's the other health body. It's the unknown. You don't know who you're going to be. You have an idea of maybe what you want to be. You don't know who that's going to become or what you're going to become or who you can become or what you're destined to do, all of those things you want to get into. That's other. You have to decide to do it, though. All of the great people that we tout about in history class and, and you know, we quote in our conversations and they decided, or in some cases it was decided for them. All of this bullshit about celebrities, who cares? They either chose to be a celebrity by creating a brand and a person and a thing and being an amazing actor or, you know, something along those lines or being so amazing that became a celebrity, being amazing at something that became a celebrity, this or that. That was a decision both in their part, but also 
by the public choice to decide that they were celebrities. You know what we didn't decide? We chose. We chose to allow celebrities to be celebrated. That was a poor choice. Because we chose to celebrate celebrities over other things. And that they somehow are better or more important than you. It's just not true. They're just people too. Just like all of the philosophers of all antiquity and all of the great minds of science, all of the great speakers of religions, they're just people. The differentiation is they were people who made decisions and not people who made choices. And they got celebrated for that. That's the reality. All of the people we talk about when it comes to history, good, bad, whatever connotation you want to put on it, all the mentioned names were decision makers. Hitler made decisions. Fucked up, messed up, terrible decisions. But he made decisions. And then people made the choice to follow him. That was choice. That's the differentiation of choice and decisions. You got some asshole making a decision to lead the world into war, into a terrible understanding of eugenics and 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 just just fucking stupidity. And then a bunch of people chose to be like, yeah, he's a great speaker. Let's follow him. Woo. Oh no, we made the wrong choice. We got to choose something else. Oh no, we made the wrong choice. Oh, we got to choose something else. That's the differentiation of decisions and choice. Decisions are fucking powerful. Super powerful. So be careful with them. That's 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 what and that's what history teaches us. You know how history repeats itself? And we're always like, oh, history repeats itself. History repeats itself because you got a bunch of people making choices and not a lot of people making decisions. And then you get this whole group of people who give their decisions to someone else. And I've talked about this before in this in this podcast. You can't give your power to others because they will use it and they will use it against you most likely. And that's decisions. That's the whole idea of manifest destiny. That's the whole idea of the secret and manifesting what you want. And that's the whole idea of AA. It's the whole idea of Tony Robbins. It's the whole idea of all these other systems that are out there. It's the whole idea of the Catholic church. It's the whole idea of corrupted Islam, you know, it's it's the whole idea of all of these things is that people want your decision. They want to take it from you. They want to make it for you. You just can't let them. You have to start deciding for yourself. And it's not easy. It's a dangerous game. But if you're going to make it anywhere in self-awareness and mental health, you have to decide. You have to make your decisions. You could decide right now to never listen to this podcast ever again and tell me to go fuck myself. That's fine. That's your decision. You made a decision. Awesome. That's great. You thought about it. You made it. That's all I wanted you to do is think about it. You could choose 
to listen to all these other people, to read the headlines and just take away from it, to just believe CNN, to just believe Fox, to just believe MSNBC, to believe a correlation of maybe a couple of this and thing, just to believe this person or that person, just to think that, you know, this celebrity is the most amazing person in the world and everything they do is great and I should follow along. You can choose to do that or you can decide to think for yourself. That is, I don't like giving ultimatums, but we are at the point in humanity where we fucked up so long that we have to have the conversation of, okay, we got to stop making choices because we're bad at it. And we got to start making decisions and we got to start making sure those decisions are correct. And if they're not, we got to make new decisions in different directions and move forward. And this is the point in this podcast where I tell you that's where you're at. If you've gotten this far, if you've listened from episode one to 24, if you're not just catching this as a random one-off, and even if you are, maybe it was just time for you to hear this. It's time to make a decision. Are you going to be a sheeple or are you going to be a real person? You're going to be a consciousness. You're going to be your own consciousness. Are you going to create your own understanding of other? Are you going to take care of your body because it's yours to take care of? And are you going to translate between the other and the body through this thing known as the mind where your consciousness is trapped and exists in and figures the world out? And are you going to decide to be your own person? Because that's where we're at now. You must decide if you're going to be your own person or are you going to give up all of your power to someone else and something else? And I don't mean your spiritual God or whatever. That's a differentiation. You either get to decide to be your own person and come up with your own beliefs or choose to follow someone else's and be their pawn, be their fucking slave. That's the choice. That's the decisions. You have to make them. Are you going to decide to get a better understanding of your mental health and then try for whatever version you want or the outcome thereof, or at least just see how it all figures itself out because it changes constantly. That's the whole point. Or are you going to just choose to be at the mercy of the shitty world we live in? That's constantly going to get you down because life is suffering. But when you choose how you suffer, you get a little bit of change when you decide to suffer. Everything changes. I've never gotten into that. and I've waited till now to, to continue along that understanding. Gandhi said life is suffering. I've added in the reality of what he talks about, which a lot of people don't talk about is it's, he talks about life being suffering, but all of the different things I've ever studied, Zen, Chan, Taoism, Jainism, Christianity, Catholicism, because they're kind of different, Islam, Judaism, add a bunch of other different Native American um, spiritual practices, Brazilian capoeira fighting who have their own weird understanding of this and how flow and time work. <laughs> My marsh, all my martial arts studies, everything adds in a second piece that no one talks about. When you choose how you suffer, it becomes much different. That's, that's the idea of control. When you can control how you suffer. When you choose how you suffer, you have to suffer, 
That's that's the beginning statement is, okay, I have to suffer. Okay, life is suffering. Okay, I'm going to choose how I suffer so I get a little control. What really changes it all is when you decide to suffer. Life is suffering, so I'm going to decide to suffer. That changes everything. When you decide, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer through this. Everything changes. It, I, I can't explain it again because going back to your depression is your depression. It's the way you understand the world. When you decide what that is, that you decide to be depressed, that you decide life fucking sucks sometimes or all the time, and I'm just going to ride it out and see what happens. That's, that's chaos. You just agree to grab chaos's hand and go for a ride. And then you learn how to use chaos and you learn all of these things change, but I can't tell you that or show you that because it's, it's you, you have to make that decision. That is other. And as always, I get on these long winded tangents trying to describe something that I get to the very end and I try to make very simple and it doesn't really work, but I try it anyway because it's cathartic for me is that the other body, the other health system is that it's one we've never talked about. I've never, ever heard anyone talk about this because it's so very complicated to talk about. I'm not blaming anyone for not, I mean, some have tried, but you know, I guess that's what world religions have tried to figure out or just, you know, tell people about. But my understanding of it that maybe will help someone figure it out is other is chaos. Chaos isn't trying to screw you over. Chaos is just changing things constantly. Chaos is the cat looking at you while it's batting the fucking cup off the table and then stop and batting it back and then batting it back to the edge of the table to see what you're going to do. It's just trying to get you shaken up and get you moving. That's what chaos does. Chaos is just trying to get you to act or react or it's just, it's change. And when you agree to the change, when you decide to suffer, it all changes just like it's supposed to. That was the biggest differentiation. And this is the best way I've figured out how to describe it so far of when I went from picking a date to kill myself to that can wait. It was just something clicked. And the click was understanding that I decide to suffer. And I had done so for a really long time. I just didn't pay attention to it. I had decided to go to work for 16, 17 hours a day to work seven jobs, seven days a week. Not all seven, seven days a week, but to work so many jobs that I was just working every day. I didn't have time for anything else. I sleep. I went to work, sleep. I went to work, sleep. I went to work. And some of them were shitty jobs where I, when that slowed down and I didn't work as much, I trained. I'd sleep, go to work, train martial arts, sleep, go to work, train martial arts, sleep, train martial arts at work, go to train. And I just, I put my body and my mind through so much that I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but I was deciding to suffer. 
I was deciding to get beat with rattan sticks. I was deciding to get thrown around on the mat. I was deciding to hide martial arts training from other schools because they didn't, they don't like that you trained at multiple places at the same time. And I got branded as a spy eventually and, and martial arts was ripped away from me. And then I decided to continue without martial arts because I became this martialist and that was a study of philosophy and warfare and the mind. And then I be decided that that amalgamated into this. Other, it was just this constant decision of suffering. I was going to choose to suffer. And then I liked it. But it was a decision, a decision I had to make. I had to, I had to decide to continue to suffer, continue to suffer, continue to suffer. And then I was continuing to suffer I was constantly thinking at the time because I didn't realize it. When do I get to end it? When, you know, how do I want to end it? And all this stuff that my mind went through, and I think a lot of people's other minds, or at least some people I've talked to that, yeah, they think about it constantly. And then I had decided then I made the decision that, okay, I have a date in mind. Fuck the world. I don't believe in humanity anymore. I'm tired of all this bullshit. But I want to I wanna go out on my own my own way. I wanted my own, my own end. I wanted it to be decided for myself. And so I chose. And that was a diff that was a, a differentiation point where I decided on a date and, and a, a methodology, but chose complication. <laughs> I, I chose to make it complicated and that's when I kind of made a, a, a differentiation of, oh, choice and change here. Okay. I still have it all fully decided out of how I would like to go about it. But I'm not choosing it. I'm deciding to be in control of it. I decide to continue suffering because the suffering that I needed to put myself through to get that decision was a lot. I had to keep working. I had to pay off debt. I had to, you know, find financial stability. I had to do all of these things so that I could kill myself in a way that was least impactful on other people. That was my whole my whole mentality behind the whole thing. And I haven't quite put all of this into a collective idea to explain it. So you'll have to forgive me for this being a little bit kind of wishy-washy for now. I just had this really strong understanding that I didn't want it to impact other people because that's who I am as a person. I'm a hermit. I don't impact. I don't want to be impactful on other people in a day-to-day -day sense. And I, I don't, I, I just, I don't let people impact me. I'm just a hermit. I spend my time alone, but I, I specifically didn't want my death to be impactful on other people in a suicidal nature. I didn't want people to have to deal with it. So I tied up all the loose ends or as many as I possibly could. And I just kept, that's why I suffered through working constantly all the time. Cause I had debt. I had to pay off. I had, I had to, you know, find my own, I couldn't be living with roommates cause then I'd be fucking them because they'd have to, pay that piece of the rent or find a new roommate and that would screw them over. So I had to get my own place. All right, cool. Then it had to be, uh Oh, well my landlord would be out of person. Well, that wasn't too bad of a thing. But then I was like, Oh, well, all right, well I can just, I eventually I can buy my own place and have a mortgage and then screw the bank. Cause you know, fuck the banks. And then I just, I kept 
putting these pieces together. But one of the major deciding factors was I didn't want other people to be impacted. So I needed to do it in a methodology in which that, so I had to put a bunch of factors in place. By doing that, I ended up solving a lot of the problems I was having. And I, I, this is where I get wishy-washy because I don't quite know how to put all of those problems into perspective for others to understand. And this is why I say depression is so specifically nuanced to each own individual that you, it really is impossible to understand. But I try to put it into words and I just can't quite correlate it yet. So overall, though, I eventually came to the point where I realized there's this thing called decisions. And decisions change things completely in one way or another. And the first decision that happens is deciding to come up with an understanding of how you view, understand and work with chaos and chaos is what I consider other. It's my word for it. And I, I put methodology behind that, but your other could be whatever your other is. You get to decide it. So the last three episodes, body, mind, and other correlate to decision. You have to decide. You have to make your own decisions. That is true consciousness. Consciousness, I believe, can be measured. We, we, we choose not to because we don't want to make the decision that we have to. And this is my own personal feeling on it take it all with a grain of salt. Remember, not a professional in any way. Do your own research. Humanity is a failed experiment. It doesn't mean there isn't good. There's definitely bad, but it doesn't mean there's not good. It doesn't mean we can't be, we can't change. As we are now, we failed. We failed at a bunch of things. All across the board. But we've also created a bunch of great things too. We're not quite neutral. I think we weigh more towards, you know, what would be connotatively negative. But as an experiment, we failed. If there is an outside ruling body, they get to make a decision of wipe them off the map and start over or let them go and see what happens. Or a bunch of other decisions that are in between there. Take half of them, some of them, move them, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it or whoever it is, or whatever they might want to do with it. We also get to make decisions. So we can decide to be better, or we can just try to choose to want to be. And that's the separation I make between choice and decisions. Decisions are final. And in order to move forward with this, we must decide there is a measurement system of consciousness. We must decide what it is. I believe a piece of that is conversations in one's own mind, a conversation with oneself, about oneself, in your own mind, in your own voice, talking to yourself, a stream of consciousness, if you will, is a measurement thereof. This allows for the practice of self-awareness. The practice of self-awareness will take control of mental health. And if one can control 
one's mental health or have an understanding of one's own depression, the way in which they see the reality of material or materium that we live in to control the physical forms we walk around in, those corporeal pieces we are trapped inside of, we can then make decisions to be better, to be evolved, to be individuals by action instead of collective by association. And once we do those things, we can then have a true understanding of our necessity. And we can become the evolved idea of consciousness, which ultimately chooses to be necessary or to not be necessary. And all those things who have decided to not be necessary disappear. And all of those things that choose or decide to be necessary continue to evolve. That is evolution by and by. So we can decide to be shitty to each other, to ourselves, to animals, to plants, whatever you want to call it, to anything. Or we can decide that no, we're not the greatest things of all time and we know very little about anything, but we can try and we can get better and we can continue to evolve. So we haven't done a lot of that recently for a long time. Before all of that though, you get to decide who you are, what you want to be. You get to decide to take control of chaos or not exactly control it, but to provide an understanding of it to yourself. You can decide to just be an individual, to be a conscious person for themselves. You can decide to suffer and learn some things from it. Because ultimately, the truest tome of knowledge is written by those who have experienced and suffering is the greatest experience of any experience because suffering touches upon all pieces of our aspect, all pieces of our ourselves, both or all three of the health bodies. That's where suffering becomes so powerful that the decision to suffer is so powerful based upon the fact that it works with the body, the mind and the other, it incorporates all of them. It's one of the rare things that does. That's why a stoic leaves emotion not out of the process, but out of control of the process. It doesn't give emotion a full control of how it interacts with things. It takes in logic and reason, rationality, emotion, outside perspective, sympathy, empathy. Brings it all together. That's what the stoic mind does. 
the Zen mind understands the flow of chaos and that everything was born from it and that chaos is change and thus everything starts as change and with perseverance time and perspective will become or input will become whatever it decides to be or that person decides for it to be the Chan mind understands that everything was great <laughs> and then it changes everything was perfect it was created creation is perfection it was ordered and then it changes we can curve and flow the change like a river we can we can make subtle twists and turns in here and we can harness it and use it to feed our crops and to make civilization the Taoist knows that there must be balance with chaos for chaos is all powerful and to use it in any way must be to add the opposite to create the creation, thus have choice to change. But they're all decisions that someone had to make or, or, or a method to make those decisions. So decide, make some decisions, correct them, change them, work with chaos, come up with a better understanding of the other. Because again, suffering is that methodology in which body, mind, and other all come together. It's very rare to find that in the world. And in, in, in the universe and the reality in which we live in, almost nothing touches on all three all the time. Suffering does. Suffering comes from chaos, comes from change. And you can either put your head in the sand or you can allow it to affect you. And then learn to curve the outcome. That's what suffering is. The decision to suffer is to experience life. No one's ever going to put it out there that way, but that's kind of what suffering is. Suffering is experience. It's just, we put a negative connotation, oh, I'm going to suffer. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience on all levels, top to bottom, other, spiritual, whatever you want to call it, Science, energy, light, electricity, whatever system you want to put up there. Mind, the translation, and then body, what, what we physically, materially are. It's experience. That's what suffering is, is, is experience. So decide to experience some things. Go and experience some things. And next time, uh, we'll talk about probably the initiations or the initiative schools, becoming an initiate. Um, it's a word that gets thrown around. And... Um, it's good and bad. It has, you know, uh, different connotations throughout antiquity, but that'll probably be next episode. Until then, decide to uh, go check out tamingindrances.com, check out the archive and some of the things we'll put on there. Um, decide to go back and maybe look into some of the other episodes, particularly these last three. So body, mind, and other, but it, it kind of starts off on episode 21 with self, but if you just go back and look at the episode lists of just, you know, the things from the very beginning, education, belief, language, relationships, emotions, they all begin our reality. Our reality is of the factor of choices and change and perspective. There's the mystery schools, which create the systems and the systems define our own, help define truth. And then truth becomes our own identity. And then we have depression and how we see the world, our understandings of death and life and time, thought, what I think about humanity, what you think about humanity, and then the self or the ego, the I, 
and its correlation to understanding that we are more than just a body or just a mind or just an other. We're an experience. So experience yourself. I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. Now go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.